Before I get started on today's interview, I just wanted to let you know that there is a new freebie on my website. Go to RebeccaTurvo.com and you can get a guide to how your specific energy works through your human design chart. So it's a quick written guide, but it will tell you four different areas to look at on your human design chart to see how your specific energy can work better and more efficiently. And I created this guide because what I noticed was a lot of business owners were coming to me um, with questions about how can they work more effectively and efficiently in their business. And also, how can they have time to rest? How can they balance out their work and their rest? So this actual guide is for anybody. You don't have to own a business. It just tells you how your body is designed to use energy. So you can go to my website, RebeccaTurvo.com. And the right on the homepage, there's a spot where you can get a download of that guide. Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turvo. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. So today my guest is Denise and she's a fellow life coach school coach and she's a business coach and helps other online business owners to make their business their full-time work. That's what I got from you, Denise, when you sent me your summary, correct? Yes, absolutely. It's something I'm deeply passionate about. I was a New York City teacher for 17 years and after a while in the classroom, I just felt like, yeah, I don't think this is the place for me to ride it out. And I'd had a side business as a yoga teacher and a wellness coach for many years that I just treated like a side business. And I slowly started growing that more and more and more because I really was very passionate about that work and I was able to go full-time. And I had a lot of people who saw that transition and started asking me if I could help them do the same. And so that's how I got here. Awesome. Thank you so much. So today we're not going to talk about business stuff, but it's fun to find out where you are in your business. Today, I had you on because you responded to a post that I did concerning faith transitions. And so really what you're here to talk about is what kind of faith transition you had, how you grew up. I want to start with, I think, so you told me that you were Catholic or you grew up as a Catholic. I'm curious. So I had friends that were Catholic when I was in school. So I have some (laughs) knowledge of the Catholic church, but how did you, so I think there's different levels of Catholics from what I've come to believe, but how did your growing up years feel? Were you born into the Catholic church or? I was. Okay. Yes. My father was born in Puerto Rico and my mother was one of seven and she happened to be like the fourth child happened to be born here, but the earlier three were born in Puerto Rico. So that's where my family comes from. And I grew up, I was born in the church. I was, you know, baptized, the communion, confirmation, got married in a church. And yeah, so that's where, you know, my roots were. It's what I grew up studying. And every, you know, once a week, we went to CCD until we made our sacraments. So very much um, connected to the Catholic church. What does it mean making your sacraments? So being baptized, making communion. So it's, Every so often you're, you're going to religious instruction, you know, pretty much from the time I'm trying to remember, this is so long ago, but maybe from like kindergarten or first grade, you start going to religious instruction. So if you don't go to a Catholic school, if you go to a public school, 
as a Catholic, you have to go to school afterwards, like once a week, and they teach you lessons from the Bible. And it's religious instruction on how to be a good practitioner of, of the Catholic faith. And so every so often, when you get to a certain age, you're kind of committing to the faith, you're committing to Christ. And so there is a sacrament And it's essentially you're committing that you're going to also continue on this path. So even marriage is considered a sacrament. Okay. So what does it mean to be a good Catholic? You said you learn how to be a good Catholic. Like what does it mean? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think when I was younger, it was very, I don't know what the words are for. It was like so simplified. Like it was the basics were like the 10 commandments. I remember that being like the guiding tool. Like it all kind of went back to that. And within those 10 commandments, like really all lessons <laughs> could go back to those. So even from, you know, going to church every Sunday, remembering the holy days, going to church on the holy days, if they're at a certain age, if you recognize that there are things that you have been doing or the way that you've been behaving or feeling, and there were things that were kind of out of alignment, you could go and sit with a priest and confess your sins and to basically be humble enough to be able to go and, and confess that. And then often the priest would give you some set of prayers to do to absolve you of those sins. So it meant being a good person. It meant being good to thy neighbor. And I think the lessons were beautiful lessons. I don't think there was anything wrong with that, but that's pretty much what it meant. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the Bible lessons and the Ten Commandments and then go, it sounds like if you feel really like you've sinned, go tell the priest you sinned, right? And then there's something to do to absolve the sin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a penance almost, you know, depending on the degree of your sin, you know, you would get, here's your penance, go home, make sure you do this for X number of days and you'll be absolved. Yeah. So was there certain things that like as a teenager, were there rules that you had to follow as a teenager that didn't seem like other people had to follow, for instance? Um, I don't think I was aware of that as a teen so much. I think most teenagers, we get to an age where we just start to question everything. We are questioning all the rules. We're like, do I, why can't I stay out late? So-and-so staying out late. And, you know, why can't I wear makeup? This one gets to wear makeup. And I think we just naturally start to question everything. I taught high school for 17 years. So I saw this with a lot of my students too, you know, and even being in a high school, reading literature that came from different faiths, was exploring different cultures. It gave me lots of questions. And I think I became a little apathetic with going to church every Sunday. My parents didn't really like, they didn't push it per se. Like they kind of became a little laxed around it. So I wasn't pushed either. I think where I really started to question more was later on when my brother ended up marrying a Jewish woman. And so I learned a lot about the Jewish faith through her. And it raised a lot of questions about their marriage and then their children. And that's really when I started questioning things because, you know, like you were saying earlier that, you know, if you don't follow these rules, you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to go to hell. And I had a real problem with that when my niece was born because my brother was Catholic. His wife is Jewish. Her mother wanted my brother to convert. And he said, no, <laughs> he said, I won't be converting He goes, I will let, you know, the children be raised more Jewish because he wasn't as faithful either. You know, he just felt like she was, that was really important to her. And it made me really like, think about these things. Like, my niece was a baby at the time and she's 21 now, but she was a baby. And I just thought about like, there's something not right here with like, if this is the only way, how can an entire faith of people be wrong too? 
And I was 17 when he got married. He's a little bit older than me. So I think that was really the age that really left me with a lot of these, like, what are all these rules? And why aren't some of them sitting with me? To this day, I don't buy into, oh, yeah, of course, they're going to go to hell because they're not Catholic. That makes no sense to me. Right. There's that thing where, you know, our church is the right way and you guys are in outer darkness. Like you're in, you know, they're okay people, but they're just not, you know, it's like we have some knowledge they don't have. So like, it's interesting because the Jewish faith, I feel like, well, there's different levels there too, but right. I don't know if she's Orthodox Jew or just regular Jew or Hasidic Jews, but it's like, they have these other rules to follow right? That are very specific. I would say she's pretty regular Americanized version of it. Uh, Not her kids, but her sister's kids went to synagogue. They go to temple. They got married in a temple and her sister's kids went to yeshiva school. I don't know too much about it, but yeah, there are different. And I think that's true in the Catholic faith too. There's different denominations and depending on the denomination that you're part of, there may be a more strict interpretation of the Bible. The same way I think that with and again, I'm, I don't want to misspeak on the Jewish faith because I don't know as much, but I think that there's something along the lines of where's the interpretation coming from and how strictly that interpretation is being followed or embodied. <laughs> right, right. So how old were you when your brother married? A Jewish so I, I was 17. I think it was okay. 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the yeah. perfect time to have a lot of questions. Yeah. And interesting at that time too, I was in a car accident when I was 17, 18 years old and I had been going to a local gym and the gentleman at the counter was like, Oh, where have you been? And I told him I was in an accident, but I'm back at the gym. And he goes, you should do yoga. He goes, go take her class. It's like, ah, he goes, no, you'd love it. It's go, go, go. And he pushed me to do it. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm just going to shut him up. I'll take one class. Fell in love with it. (laughs) And I started practicing yoga, which opened up a lot of other questions about other philosophies around life. And it gave me a lot of other questions that, you know, it didn't give me as many answers as maybe I was looking for at the time, but it added a lot more depth to my understanding of how there's so many different cultures. There's so many different people. So many of them are claiming that theirs is the right way. And I found something in yoga that like, it never said that yoga philosophy never says this is the, like the only way there's still some room for, and it's not a religion, right? So it's a philosophy. And I think that that was something that I was really drawn to. My master's degree is in English literature. So it's all pre 18th century lit is all biblical, really. So I have a very extensive understanding of the Bible. And the more I studied all of these things, I'm like, there's so many more similarities than there are differences that to me, there's just like room for everybody. Yeah, they're like, there's a thread that runs through all religions, right? And all belief systems. Somebody else who was on my podcast said that, you know, she studied, I can't remember if it was Greek mythology or some other kind. No, it might have been Hinduism, where there was a God where there was a virgin birth. And there was, and I'm like, really like these. So these core stories are in different ways. So this wasn't Christianity, but there was still like a virgin birth that they believed in. And I'm like, that's so fascinating. So what if this is just stories? <laughs> you know, if this is just mythology. Yeah. The more I open my eyes to it, it just seems like there's just so many more similarities. I'm like, what is everybody fighting about? <laughs> you know, that's kind of my, you know, there's a trinity in almost every faith and philosophy. You know, there's a God and then there's, you know, in the yogic philosophy and Hinduism, there's gods and goddesses. 
And if you were to read some of their energies, it sounds a lot like some of what the saint and saints represent. Like you would go to one, if there's something you want to have more of in your life, you can pray to a saint in the other traditions. Oh, you can pray to a, a goddess, right? So it's like, there's so much overlap. And I think that's beautiful. I wish that, you know, more people took the time to really like, you know, not that you have to follow all of it, but to at least open your eyes to see how similar and there the message is often one of peace and grace, right? And I can't remember, I'm trying, my, my memory is escaping me if it was Rumi or Ram Dass. <laughs> one of them says there's many paths, but they all lead to the same place. And right. I believe that. Right. Yeah. What if there's just not one straight and narrow path, which is what I was taught to believe. There's only this one straight and narrow path. So you were 18 and then you started yoga and you had this Jewish sister-in-law and you were still in the Catholic church. I was, I wasn't going every Sunday and I wouldn't say that I was, you know, I went on the holidays. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that that's a lot of Catholics complain about the people who only show up on holidays. I'm just kind of laughing about it, but, and I did that for many years. And then I met my husband. He actually happens to be very faithful to the Catholic church. And so that was interesting. And I guess because I wasn't as fervent about it, I just was like, yeah, we can get married in a church. And I would go to church with him and we did all the things. And I don't have a problem. Like I can still, I can go to church on Sunday. It, you know, the message is beautiful. So there's nothing wrong with it, right? But we've had to navigate some things, you know, in our marriage. And we've had a lot of discussions actually about it. And sometimes we don't see eye to eye. So it's kind of interesting, but I think we do a really good job of, respecting that this is just where we both are in our journey with our faith. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious, like, were you encouraged to marry a Catholic no. man? Really? That's so no. interesting. So it doesn't sound like your parents were like, really? Mm-mm. So my parents, yeah. yeah, my parents were very much marry a good person, someone who's going to love you and you know, we don't care if it's a man or a woman. We don't care where they came from. They were very, very, very open-minded, my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you had married a woman, would you have been able to get married in the church? No, okay. <laughs> not That's the Catholic church. Yeah. No, not the Catholic <laughs> church. But there were some, I mean, even my brother and his wife couldn't get married in a church, but they found an interfaith church where there was a priest, there was a rabbi, and they both came and did the ceremony. So there were people even 20, 30 years ago that you could find that would, you know, perform that the ceremony for you. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I I feel like our society is going to go more and more this way of like, can we accept and be open to other people's beliefs and not think there's something wrong with them, <laughs> you know, or like judging, right? The judgment in the religion I grew up in was so harsh. The judgment of well, no, this is the only way. And and we might not be able to talk to you if you don't believe this way. And if you don't do this thing, you know, and we were really encouraged to marry within our church. It's very much encouraged, you know? Oh, I wouldn't say it wasn't, of course it was encouraged. It was in the teachings and it was, I think in certain families that were a little bit more strict and in line with that. I grew up in New York. And so we had like these pockets of groups of people. So there was like, you know, the Italian area, the Irish area, and, you know, they very much growing up in that community. It was, yeah, you marry within your, even within your race, you know, even within your nationality, even within your religion. So there were lots of other layers to like where I grew up, but my parents just weren't like that. 
And I thank them for that. My husband's Italian Irish (laughs) (laughs) and I'm Puerto Rican. So (laughs) your husband sounds open too then because he didn't try to find an Italian Irish person. (laughs) His mom, I think I laughed because his dad actually broke away from it because, you know, they were Italian and he, his mother really wanted him to marry an Italian girl and he comes home with an Irish woman and then, you know, so yeah. (laughs) Right, right. So your husband feels still pretty strongly, right? Yeah, he does. So what about the children? You just, you have children. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, we have three, we have three children and they are, they're, they're being raised Catholic, but of course I let there be room for questions. You know, my children know I practice yoga. They know I meditate. You know, I have a deep meditation practice that involves chanting sometimes. And whenever they ask questions, I answer them. And there's there's this open dialogue, but I wouldn't say we're pushing anything, but because I'm not so like, oh, it has to be this way. It's totally fine. Yeah. Well, what what would be wrong with yoga? I'm curious because you've said that a couple of times. So like, did the Catholic church not encourage yoga or what was it about yoga? So because I've been practicing for a very, very long time, now it's more trendy and it's more popular and it's more like of a physical practice to a lot of people. It's like, oh, you go do yoga and you get flexible and it's like relaxing yeah, and calming for I your physical body. That's yeah, most people do, yeah. but the but the traditions and the roots of yoga are in Indian philosophy. And at the core of yoga is the Bhagavad Gita, which is an Indian spiritual text and the Yoga Sutras. So there's a lot of spirituality, Indian spirituality, traditionally with yoga. It it doesn't come from here. It comes from another culture and other people and other spiritual practice. And so it does butt up against a lot of the Jewish tradition, of the Catholic tradition. But here in the States, they've kind of pushed a lot of that out in favor of just the physical practice, the poses being a, you know, strength or flexibility piece of it. But 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. 20 years ago, I, I joke all the time, like you were weird if you did yoga. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, you do what? What's this yoga thing? Like nobody knew it. And there was one yoga studio for 20 miles. Now, you know, you can't drive down the street without seeing a yoga studio. So there was actually not only the stretching when you started, it was more like there is like a spiritual feeling about yoga. It's so interesting. Yes. No, I've heard of this. However, like I've never really dug into yoga that much. <laughs> I've tried it a couple of times, but that's interesting. So as an 18 year old, you're like, oh, this is a good, this is a different thing. And I'm going to dive into it. I did. And then when I moved, I moved from New York to New Jersey. That's where I live now. And I found a yoga studio and the woman was way more spiritual than the teacher I had in New York. And she would say these things. And I was just like, what is she talking about? This is so interesting. And she would talk about these gods and goddesses and energy. And she was a Reiki practitioner too. And so I just got really interested. I said, you know, I think I want to learn more. And I signed up for a yoga teacher training and my yoga teacher, this yoga teacher I did the training with has been my teacher now for 10 years. And she is a monk. She has taken vows. So when I first was in that teacher training, she owned a yoga studio. Now she has an ashram and she's a monk and she's in Pennsylvania. But it was very interesting because I always joked that I was like, I was such a little shit to her because she would teach these things and I would have all these questions because my conditioning was coming up. And I did have moments where I felt like this is wrong. I shouldn't be learning this. This is like, you know, and I remember asking her questions. Well, what if somebody Catholic takes your class and they have all these questions, but it was really me. <laughs> and she held such loving space for me. I mean, you know, she can be very curt and blunt to the point as good teachers often are. But I remember distinctly being, you know, in those earlier days, 
you know, 10, 11 years ago being uncomfortable because it was like alarm bells going off. Like, Ooh, I shouldn't be learning this. Yeah. Like this seems mm-hmm. wrong, <laughs> right? It, it's so interesting because yeah. we're just so, and we might not even recognize how indoctrinated in a belief system we become when we're born yeah. into a religion, you know? Yeah. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So now I can look back and think like, Oh my God. I'm like, how did Suda even put up with me? I don't, she didn't kick me out of the program. <laughs> I had way too many I, questions. Yeah. I had a lot of, and I did, I'm an inquisitive person by nature and I can have a little bit of spice to me sometimes, a little fire. So I had lots and lots of questions, but she just held the space and You know, I think like with this sort of thing, I think with a lot of faith, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I don't like to speak for other people, but I do see this frequently with my own students who study with me is, you know, we gravitate towards a teacher or a religious figure and then we pull back, right? And then we like gravitate and then we kind of pull back. So there's this like ebb and flow of, you know, we we walk off the path, we walk back on the path. And so there was a period of time where like I was having children and I kind of like backed away, but I've still continued to study with her over 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's been significant. It sounds like in your life, you know? Oh, absolutely. I'm much calmer of a person (laughs) these days than I was, you know, 15 years ago. (laughs) And I think something came up for me when you said about, you know, anybody you study with or under and you pull away and the thing that I found to be interesting for myself is because I grew up in such a black and white thinking type of world where it's like, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong. So then the problem I found and something I was very aware of is when I started studying under like business people or life coaches or, you know, people like, you know, Brooke Castillo, right? I would just get all on board. Like I am so trained to just follow the rules of whatever it is. Right. And I'm like, that is so fascinating that you can become totally indoctrinated in anything. In my opinion, like if I was trained to be indoctrinated, I am so like, not intentionally, but I, I easily could become indoctrinated in something else. And I noticed that about myself and I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to be aware now that I want to have a variety of teachers. (laughs) have a variety of things because I can see now how open I am because of the way I was taught to believe about things like it's right or it's wrong, black and white. There's no gray, right? And in order to be the good girl, right? You have to follow the rules. So fascinating. I don't know why that came up from some, it's because of what you said, right? People come ebb and flow. I'm like, well, for me, I'm not sure there is an ebb and flow. It was like, <laughs> I'm all in, I'm going to follow all yeah. the I'm going to be the girl because that's where my value has come from. Like, oh, she does so good. She's she's following the rules, right? And I think this is some religious indoctrination that I'm trying to break free from, you know? Yeah. And I think that that happens on a lot of levels, like not just with religion. I think like, I know that we're not talking about business, but as a business coach, a lot of my clients come and they want the right way to do something. They want the like, the black and white outline of how to do it. And so a lot of, yes, I I have a process and we coach on mindset. Uh, I do a lot of energy work with my clients, but one of the biggest things I coach on the most is that there's no one right way to do this. There's no rules. So it shows up in a lot of areas of our life. And I think that like, if you've never been taught to question things from a place of like, curiosity, really just a place from curiosity, a place from like, I want to know what's true for me, not just accept what was true for you. Let me explore that. And if you've never had a teacher offer that to you, like, Hey, 
you know, I still teach yoga and I still, I actually do a lot of yoga teacher trainings and I teach sequencing and the, the postures and I teach anatomy and energetics. And I have students ask me questions all the time. And I, the minute I feel like they're putting me on a pedestal, I'm like, Hey, this is what was true for me. I want you to find what's true for you. You can like pick up what I'm throwing down or leave it because I'm very cautious of when people have that very black and white thinking where they think like I'm the Oracle, the, right. the answer. I've all, I don't want to be that. <laughs> and like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, and I yes. want, because it's really this unraveling of like, who are we at our core? When you peel back the layers of conditioning, you might end up right where you started, but at least you know why you're there. Yeah. And this is what human design does. And this is why I use human design as a tool, right? Because I've had a lot of those business owners come to me. Well, I tried the rules. I tr- So-and-so said I had to do this, 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 and this. And I, I did this, this, and it didn't work. You know, I'm like, oh, well, guess what? We're all designed differently. And so what's your path? It's different than somebody else's path. And that's okay. But, but see, I, yes. And I think maybe it's a culture thing too. Like we, we believe there's a right way or a wrong way, right? We, we tend to believe that. And I think a lot of that, I mean, our culture is based in Christianity. I think America is based in that. Oh, well, we were founded by the Puritans. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, this is the whole, they were very, very, very strict. There was right. no, like, I know yeah. we, we spoke a little bit maybe yeah. before the podcast, but like yeah. our culture is just has tons of remnants of puritanical thinking, right? Like there was no dancing, there was no skin showing, there was no, like you couldn't like to, to laugh or to cry was to be hysterical, to be out of your emotion, right? It was like the complete opposite life coach was like, feel all your emotions. Meanwhile, it's like butting up against this like cultural thing that's like generational, like, no, it's not safe to have a show of emotion publicly. That's like, you're hysterical. So yeah, they had lots of rigid rules. This country was founded upon a lot of rigidity. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And then and I think where we're coming from then, right? As business owners, we're like, oh, there's a right way. There's rules. What are the rules? Like, yeah. yeah. And if you look at even our school system, if you look at our corporate structure, it's set up very much the same way, right? Like there's, you know, in order for you to pass through this grade, you have to have X, Y, Z, and then you can get your certificate, your degree, the bell rings, and you get up and then you move. And it's like, everybody's like Pavlov's dog, right? You know, so there's a lot of rigid structure to that. Um, And then, you know, so if you think about it, we're still getting primed for it to follow rules to look and seek external validation. Oh, when I do this, I get praise. Someone's going to give me the A on my paper. Right. Yay. Yes. Yeah. And it shows, and it shows up in the employee world too, right? No. And (laughs) so so for those students who don't learn the same way, and this is something that I've thought about a lot because it's like, there's students that cannot learn the same way as other students. Does that mean that they're bad because they can't get an A because they can't learn this specific way? They need to learn a different way. No, but Yes, it, that's a whole nother discussion. But anyway, I know. <laughs> I know you went off on a little bit of a tangent, but I still feel like it's related. <laughs> but, but it's all related. Yes. I mean, there's this yeah. the structure. It's just like religions are an organization. They have a structure. There's a there's a reason. Yeah. It's all the things. This has been such a fun discussion, Denise. I really appreciate you coming on. Before we leave, can you tell people where could they find you if they want to learn more about your coaching or your yoga? Yeah. Your yoga. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So I am on Instagram at Denise Finieri, and I'll spell that last name. It's B-E-R-N-I-E-R-I, first name Denise. 
My website is www.denisefenieri.com. And I also have a podcast. It's called Making the Shift. And I absolutely love hanging out on all my platforms. So yeah, drop in, say hi. That's where you can find me. And I'll put some of those links in the show notes too. So that's oh, perfect. Thank you. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Denise, for coming on today. I really appreciate uh, it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye.